0: If you're a startup enthusiast, you journal and write down your thoughts from the past. It's the Finding the Net podcast.
1: Isn't it crazy? This is our third episode. I know. It's flying by. I can't believe it. Um, Last week, we chatted a little bit about launching the beta and kind of how perfectionism can stop you from making meaningful progress um which i think is really funny because we had a couple i don't know i'm gonna call them setbacks this week and <laughs>
0: perfectionism you know, little...
1: problems <laughs> yeah perfectionism problems <laughs> um and so you know this week we can, or today we can really dive into what caused it and you know how we move through it and how we plan to avoid it moving forward um but first drum roll please What is our user count at for the beta?
0: Yeah, so we started with 45 people on this uh, waiting list ready to join. And about 73% of them uh, asked for invitations. So that's really cool. So about 33 people requested invitations. And we've got about 24 of them in the app uh, journaling right now. So about half.
1: That's super exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled. Um, Those are uh, higher conversion rates than I think we'll ever have (laughs) going forward, but it's nice to have (laughs) such a high conversion right now.
1: Oh, hey, take the wins where you can, right? Absolutely. Um, So, you know, kind of speaking of the beta a little bit, um, we thought we would launch last Thursday when we were recording, but we ended up kind of being a little delayed um about what 72 hours we launched on monday so not that bad (laughs) um and for me like i thought we were gonna have this podcast out i was gonna have this like amazing landing page with all these cool things and like a whole blog going um and even today i actually had a whole other idea for the topic of the episode based on those things um but again those little perfectionism things got in the way um (laughs) So I guess going back to the launch, what was really the the key reasons you decided to push from Thursday to Monday?
0: Yeah, so there's really kind of two pieces of it. One of them I would call psychological and the other one I would call something to do with the way we just went about it. So the psychological stuff is, you know, you get down to the wire, you've had a few months to build this thing and all of that work is kind of behind you and you're anticipating the moment of dropping this thing live and you're thinking, man, this is really terrifying. Like, have I crossed all the T's? Have I dotted all the I's? Finally, the day right before we're about to launch it, I actually had the sort of danger moment of like, okay, let me write down every single thing on the list of things we could possibly do that we might need to do to get this thing out the door. And I think that functioned a little bit as like, a oh man, this list is too big. It's gonna take us a little time. And so we pushed back a couple of days. It's kind of like the inevitable crunch, except we were like, we're not gonna go crazy crunch. I'm not gonna make everyone step until 5 a.m. to get this thing out the door. And we're just gonna take a couple extra days to get it done. Then there's the other side of it, which I would just call maybe a tactical thing or the way we went about it. And I think a lot of that has to do with this idea of a launch in general. So now that I'm looking at it in retrospect, it's like, wow, we probably could have gotten this beta thing out the door a lot earlier and a lot dirtier and a lot more of a broken format. And I think that would have made the idea of a launch seem less of a big deal, Mm -hmm. sort of easier to, to get over the hurdle because it's like the more months in you are, the more sort of invested you are into the moment of like, we're pushing the button and it's going live. So in retrospect, looking back, I'm like, man, I wish that we opened this up in a very small way, you know, a month or two ago to even some friends or, you know, pushed a little bit harder in that sense to get people into it. Because having a series of smaller steps, I think just would be much easier to get out the door versus, the launch moment where you sort of build all this pressure up to it. And once we finally pressed the button, really, it was kind of fun. And I'm like, okay, now we've got a few people in and we can start to work from here. And it lays that foundation. So maybe that's one of my big takeaways from launching is we should have done this earlier and smaller and, you know, just kept (laughs) building and growing.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's pretty common for a lot of product launches Mm. that, You know, you kind of have these multiple launches for the same product, Mm -hmm. and it's like, this is the first one, and then this is the friends and family one, and then, like, you roll out a new feature, change the branding, and then it's another launch. And, I mean, once you get down the line, um, it's only really, like, the big launch that, that... matters. You know, we kind of made dinner for people who are a little bit more forgiving before Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're opening the catering company and, you know, ruining someone's wedding with (laughs) the worst food they've ever tasted.
0: Absolutely. Uh, How about you, Danielle? Is there any roadblocks that you encountered or anything that came up for you?
1: Yeah, I really wanted to get this podcast off the ground. Um, and not just this podcast, just all of the other content that's going around this. And um, I know we'll speak to this in, in a future episode about like the larger kind of content and podcast strategy. Um, but the first step is really just like having a place to publish it. And um, we tried you know, setting up Webflow and it was a little funky. For some reason, I could not get the links to all be on the same line, which apparently is like a common problem with Webflow. And then it just wouldn't stop kicking me out. And it just kept taking a few days. And, you know, I have a full-time job, so not a lot of time to troubleshoot. And I just realized I was going on these rabbit holes of like trying to fix this thing. You know, I feel like we're in a lot better place to start going, moving towards that goal next week. Um, and going back to the beta a little bit and on on monday we knew things weren't perfect um we still had all these comms we wanted to work out yeah we probably could have pushed it a whole other week um <laughs> <laughs> to just like get all those little things right and have all the right emails and the text messages and blah blah blah, blah. how did you kind of weigh the decision to just like do it live or push another week or another day or
0: (laughs) i really just went through the list and i looked at the list and i said how many of these are like project ending mistakes if we don't get them done you know so if we launch and we don't have this thing like how likely is it that this like ruins the product the like product in the company (laughs) so i went through the list and that was really helpful and i eventually just when it came down to the actual day i took everything that didn't, you know, when I looked through the list, anything where the answer was not, yes, this will end the company or the product or whatever we're trying to do, I just pushed it off. I said, I'm going to look at this after we launch. I'm going to open it up and we're going to get started and we'll come back to these things on this list and we'll see how they feel then.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's definitely something like I've done to myself over and over. And when I was making my website for Boston Brunch Guide and being like, I want this to be so, like, beautiful and perfect. And I spent hours just, like, trying to arrange the columns, right, in Squarespace and all this stuff and, like, do tutorials. And I wasn't, like, actually doing the thing that I was good at because I had this, like, chip on my shoulder that I had to do it all myself. Mm. And then I actually, like, ended up seeing a friend that was doing, you know, just, like, pretty simple like Squarespace design and formatting and like all of those little things like connecting the blog posts so that they're like nice collections and setting those things up. And I was like, I'm going to save myself a lot of time, a lot of yelling at my computer and being really frustrated <laughs> and just pay him to do it. And it, I mean, yes, it cost money, but it wasn't like an insane amount of money. It wasn't like I was asking for like the most ridiculous website in the world. It was just kind of like an enhanced Squarespace template. But the time saved actually was worth so much more than the money I spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really hard lesson to learn because a lot of the times you want to do everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's you're reminding me uh, a lot of this book called The E-Myth, which is very much about this idea uh, that uh, you, often people who are subject matter experts in something are wanting to go out and start a business in that thing and they go out and they start the business because they love whatever it is baking pies making apps you know whatever and they engage in it and they start trying to do everything and they find that over time the business has become like a burden it's like a you know it's like something they're carrying around because the example in the book is the pie shop, where the person is running it, and she's running the cash register, and she's doing the books, and she's baking the pies, and she's cleaning the oven out at the end of the night, and she's sweeping the floor, and she's just exhausted. You know, the the business has become this m- huge thing that you have to manage. And I think it's really easy to forget that, um, you know, going and finding people. I don't know, maybe the struggle is just asking for help and admitting that you kind of need some help, but that's (laughs) such a better, you know, way ultimately to get to the goal line and to sort of accomplish what you want to do. And it's not meant to be this impossible struggle. And if it's, if it's possible to do, you know, I think really going out and getting help where you can is powerful.
1: Do you think that that's also a perfectionism piece, like wanting to do it all yourself?
0: Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> the <laughs> book would say that you have a bit of a superhero complex if you're starting a business anyways. You know, you, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I think that that is definitely a perfectionism thing in some sense. It's, it's a little bit of a ego thing where you're like, I can do it all. And, and it's also a little bit of a like, well, I just want to make sure everything's right. And that's a tricky thing to get correct. I don't, pretend to have that all figured out because, uh, certainly I care deeply about all of the details of what we're creating and the experience that people have. And I want those things to be really, really world-class. Uh, and yet sometimes I just have to get something out the door and it's very difficult to let go. And it's very difficult to know, you know, I think there is a real benefit to pushing hard and trying to figure out like how, good can i make this thing and how can i maximize the quality of it there is a real value to that and then there's this other very real value of i shipped it it's out it's in the world you know and it's not perfect but it's there and somebody's interacting with it and i'm learning something and i just i don't know that there's a perfect answer to that but that's a balance that i'm always trying to strike and do better
1: yeah and that's like kind of the moving target right is finding that balance between good enough to ship and not a piece of shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that what's really hard to see sometimes, what's really hard to realize is that often what's more interesting to to watch and to engage with is something that's a little bit frayed around the edges that, you know, isn't quite polished perfectly and and oftentimes that is much more engaging for people to see. Um, you know, I mean, stories are, are one of the core elements of stories are that there are stakes. And so it's much more interesting for people to see that you're a human being trying to figure this thing out. And I think in some ways, maybe we want to protect ourselves or we don't want to really be vulnerable. And so we present this sort of polished version. I mean, this is what the Instagram, you know, world, right? You know, where Mm -hmm. you're, you're sort of presenting this very polished version of, you know, reality. And oftentimes I think maybe we've gotten so much of that now that we're just hungry for somebody that it looks a little more like, you don't know, quite have it all figured out and that we can relate to, you know? And so that's, that's a difficult thing, honestly, when you're, uh, you know, when you hold that belief that really striving to make it as good and polished as possible has its benefits, but then still sort of thinking, Hmm, how do I let this out the door and feel kind of authentic? And, and and you know, I think that's a very real thing that um I'm I'm learning more is sometimes it's better if it's not totally polished. It's a little rougher yeah. on the edges.
1: You mean you didn't sneeze and end up on the Forbes thirty under thirty?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: as an old as
0: an old geezer, no, I haven't made it on that list. I don't think I don't think I'll be there.
1: It's um it it's interesting because I I was watching this master class and I forget which author it is, um or screenwriter or something, but it was on the, the storytelling and one of the key elements that this person was talking about was this idea of conflict for like your hero of the story and how low the tolerances that the audience will have if the obstacles the hero faces aren't big enough or they're like way too easy to overcome and you get mm-hmm. so bored and you're just like as a as someone listening or reading the story you're just like that oh, was too easy like I'm gonna give up and not that you know you want this to be like super difficult like don't really want building thunk to be like the Hunger Games or facing <laughs> Voldemort or anything <laughs> um it's just nice to see that like actual people and entrepreneurs, go through these things and Mm. that they're actually like real problems because i feel like a lot of the narratives out there now are like oh they raised 20 million dollars from google and then (laughs) like you know we're self-made into this blah 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 and it just seems like so easy and i mean obviously it's not that easy behind the scenes we never have full context but not a lot of the times is that story told while it's happening. It's only told in retrospect when you've already made it over the hill.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there's obviously survivorship bias in in those mm-hmm. stories. But there, there's kind of you're reminding me of this cliche in the startup world, which is, <laughs> which is the answer to how's your startup going is always oh, we're crushing it. Like, we are just crushing it. Everything is going so good. And that's uh. that's basically never true. It's almost never true. Uh, but it's always the answer that founders give, you know. And the tricky thing there is, you know, we I think we forget sometimes that, you know, people who are founding companies are selling this thing to a lot of different people. They're trying to make it look good for employees that work there. They're trying to make it look good for... Uh, venture partners that maybe are going to give them some money and, uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's a character from like American Beauty who's like, to be successful, one must always present an image of success. And that's <laughs> kind of what's going on, right? It's this sort of mm-hmm. this, Fake this it story. till you make it. Yeah, the story's being told. And uh, I don't know, I think we've got so much of that story that maybe Certainly in the early days, it's like, why not just tell a, tell a story that's more real and honest and, uh, you know, shows how messy these things are. You know, have, having been around uh, many, many early stage companies when I was involved with Techstars, one thing that it w- was very true was the struggle is real. I mean, those, those early stage companies <laughs> are struggling you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's really, um, there's a, there's a public perception that (laughs) you just start a tech company and you have an idea and it's just like cake and you go raise money, but it's really so much more difficult than that. And there's a lot of luck involved. And I think we're very used to seeing those success stories where everything seems to work and we never really get to hear, the moments where the founders are like, you know, sleeping on air mattresses in their parents' <laughs> basement and like eating ramen and like just like, why did I do this? This is the worst decision that I ever made and almost stop like that day. You know, those stories we rarely hear.
1: Yeah. And if we do that, I feel like they're very uh Hollywood special of the week. Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're told from the standpoint, from the the arc, right, of I had nothing and I almost gave up, but I believed in myself. I pushed <laughs> through and I conquered. And here I am, successful startup man, conquered the world, you know, and so that's definitely how that story is told.
1: I felt this in like the, the oh, God, I hate the word influencer, but with, uh, you know, other like food <laughs> bloggers I've met <laughs> through doing Boston Brunch Guide and, and Instagram at events and, you know, seeing the people that were doing this full time and, you know, kind of putting on this persona that, you know, they were making it work and they were crushing it, as as you said, <laughs> <laughs> and getting all these brand deals and all these trips across the country and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you'd like get to know them a little more and you're like, oh, like still a lovely person, but, you know, it, it, it helps to come from a millionaire family that (laughs) can help you live out these dreams and um I think that that was a big thing for me to realize too that you know it's it's okay to be where I am and to work on these things when I can and not put myself in the paradigm of other people Mm -hmm. um but I think you know even even though we had some setbacks this week and it's still kind of feels like a little bit like we're treading water and you know moving along um what was the most exciting part of the week for you what's the best part Ben?
0: i mean definitely having people in there just using the thing and seeing that like you know some number of people journaled more than once and getting some actual like feedback from folks you know i had a couple people reach out and say hey you know i'm enjoying it i'm 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 really excited about the project. You know, this is cool. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, And that's a really surreal thing. You know, it's, it is, it never ceases to amaze me when I get to this moment from something that was really just a concept that I was dreaming about alone in my head. And now we're talking on a podcast about it and there's a thing and it exists and I can go to it and there's folks who are helping make it come to reality, and there's real humans who are in there, like, experiencing it, and that's a really, that is a very addicting thing, you know, when you get to that moment of thinking, you know, oh, I I wanna see this thing in the world, and then eventually it becomes real. That is really, it's really, there aren't a lot of feelings like that in the world, where you're sort of like, hmm, it just was like nothing and now it exists, and, That for sure has been the best part of this week for me.
1: And it's also, um, I think, the ultimate, you know, proof for getting it out as early as possible. Because you start to get that, those responses and people using it and you're seeing them be excited and getting that feedback and it just makes you want to like go in more. And yeah. I, I actually had something similar this week when I was, you know, couldn't get the Webflow to work. And then I was looking at our content and going through our first podcast that we recorded. Um, and it was just, you know, listening to it and reading it. And it probably been like a week or so since we got the final and reading the transcript. And I was just pulling out like so many content ideas and just getting like really inspired again. Mm. Um, so that was a really exciting, exciting moment. Too. Yeah.
0: I, you know, honestly, it's been the same way for me with... Seeing people get in there and starting to get feedback and hearing, you know, actually having conversations with people who, you know, up until now the conversations that I've had with people are very brief, uh, you know, hour-long conversation, and you're just trying the product very briefly, and I'm watching Mm -hmm. you work on it, and so it's really not a real experience that you're having with it because I'm sitting there watching you, and so I'm having a different kind of conversation now. Uh, with somebody who's actively using it for the intended purpose and that's different and that's awesome. And I've, I've found that that is really energizing, you know, like I'm, I'm waking up, I'm like having a really hard time, not going into my email to like talk to, you know, people <laughs> who are using the thing to understand what they want. And I'm also really feeling re-engaged about kind of everything, like the content that we're trying to create, the, way that we're trying to run this program. And also I've been spending a lot of time just in the design tools, trying to improve the product and think about what's next and where are we gonna go next and getting really excited about what are we gonna be able to show these people you know, that are talking to us now and how are we gonna be able to wow them and impress them as we go forward.
1: Hey, I'm excited. So much to do <laughs> yes. for next week. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't wait. Uh, as usual, if you want to get involved in Thunk, you can send us an email at podcast at thunkjournal.com. We'd love to add you to our wait list and to bring you into the app and start to benefit from getting feedback from you. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
1: And you can find us on Twitter at Danielle is messy and at Nowband, Exactly how it sounds.
0: <laughs> Perfect.